G'day, our sport community. I'm Kit Harvey. Welcome to another edition of Our Conversations. During the week, I sat down with Luke Phillips, founder of Melbourne's own Into Carry, a company he describes as offering handmade bags made from everyday trash. It was awesome to chat with someone who has made sustainability such a prominent part of what they do. Recycling and upcycling materials, including secondhand neoprene from old wetsuits, Luke's bags seamlessly embody both functionality and aesthetics. Now with an enviable cafe and studio space in Collingwood, Into Carry has opened itself up to the public. Keep an eye out for big things coming from Luke and this small company. Thank you, Luke Phillips. Thanks for joining us on Our Conversations. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how's the day going so far? Um, day's going good. I just went and fell asleep in a yoga class right before this, so just uh, pepping myself up. I walked into this space and I actually clocked that there was a bit of a zen atmosphere. <laughs> Not only is there nobody in this shared office space, come cafe, come workplace, come studio, yep. but it's actually just got a lovely vibe, fresh air, open spaces. Have you put a little bit of effort into this space that we're recording in today? It's sort of home base for Intercarry and Intercoffee. It is it is home base, yeah. And then we've got um the co-working space is called Friends with Benefits. Uh you guys are the first tenants for. So so welcome. So there's currently five empty cubicles. Two of them are getting filled soon. But yeah, we've we've put a bit of work into it. Is that kind of um, do the five empty cubicles kind of give you a little bit of flexibility? Do you, have, do you have some ideas as to is it sort of up to you to find tenants or not really? Yeah, we've got two moving in in the next week, uh, and then choosing the tenants, we would prefer people that are you know aligned with um, what we're doing, whether it be like ethical or sustainable, because um, you're just trying to bring all those people together. You just never know what will happen if you put them in the same room. I guess there's a, a level of responsibility in creating a, a workplace that kind of works on on all levels. Is there a social aspect to how you're wanting to to run your your workplace and workspace? Social aspect on like the beers side or the business the, side? I reckon, well, really both. But on the both. beers side, like out of work, is it sort of a place you want to be able to hang out in and and spend time in? Spend time in, or is it sort of like put down the tools, go home, see you later? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, have been spending a lot of time here and I guess, yeah, whether it's the Zen atmosphere that's seeping through or whether it's just, um, it's a nice space. Um, yeah, I think it's very inviting and we, we have lots of people drop in all the time. So it is extremely social, which can make it difficult to get things done, but it's extremely fun in the meantime. I reckon there's an argument that that's the main thing. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing <laughs> and the atmosphere you're in, you may as well not be doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely blurs the lines between work and, and play. Now, Luke, I want you to take me on a little bit of a, a journey, a little bit of an origin story, if you will, uh, into into carry. That's going to be a thing I keep saying, into into carry. Into into carry, yeah. Tell me about the foundation of into carry as a business and I guess the mission and, and the purpose that you're wanting to achieve through, through growing the business. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm an industrial designer by trade and I spent um, a few years working in the field after graduating and 
basically at some point had this kind of environmental awakening where I sort of realized the linear way that we take, make and consume. Um, And once you kind of start to see industrial design through that lens, it kind of just shifts your whole perspective on what you're doing. So I got into it because I wanted to make things because I loved making stuff with my hands. And then all of a sudden you feel like you feel a little bit guilty (laughs) if you're just selfishly making these designs that you really want to see in the world. And it's very beneficial for you, but it's to the detriment of the environment. So then I started doing research into, you know, how can we kind of solve these problems, but also on a slightly selfish level, how can I keep doing this thing that I love doing? And, you know, make it for a good reason, not not a bad one. You mentioned a moment of environmental awakening. Was that a specific moment? Did something specific happen or was it just kind of keeping across media and obviously uh, the environment, climate change, global warming and, and action and the human impact, I guess, on the earth is, is a huge topic of the last 10 to 20 years. But was there a specific moment for you or is it just sort of an accumulation of things where you went, actually, you know, enough's enough. I'm, I'm going to have to pull my own weight here. Yeah, there was definitely, it was definitely a gradual thing. But one, one key point that probably triggered it was um, when I started to research it, I was making these um, tote bags from neoprene. And I thought, you know, let's just have a gaze and see what this neoprene stuff's all about you know it's a really cool material and i really love working with it let's see what its environmental impacts are and basically it's one of the worst materials that you could be possibly (laughs) using which is a really really interesting full circle because just this week in the next couple of days from when we're recording this podcast we're actually putting out a collaboration with a company called project blank um they do some really cool surf wetsuits and all this kind of surfing gear Um, And they're very much steeped in sustainability. So they've contracted us to make a series of our bags from their discarded wetsuits, which is neoprene. Um, So it's a really interesting kind of circle, you know, over the last four years that that was kind of the trigger that started this journey. And now we're kind of at this stage where we're actually using neoprene still. So we still get all the benefits of the material. I guess it's finding a way to use neoprene in this instance that makes sense environmentally amazing that you have managed to come across a source for recycled neoprene was that kind of by accident or do you put a lot of effort into sourcing or finding new sources for for different materials that you use in your bags yeah it's 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 a little column a little column b that one specifically they contacted us um they had all these waste wetsuits whether it be defaultive stitching or someone sends it back or something did you just think jackpot because i love neoprene (laughs) that's it just sounds like an unbelievable kind of positive confluence of events there yeah yeah something like that it didn't really hit me at the start you know because it's it's a different design to what it was and you never know whether it's going to work but we've we've managed to to tweak a couple of things and get it get it working so yeah it's it kind of hit hit us after the fact but yeah it's exciting so you've got an industrial engineering background and you mentioned fairly early on you were making tote bags. Where did the bag thing come from? Was it Has it always been a product that you're interested in or passionate about or was it just something that seemed like a good jumping off point and you grew the, grew the idea from there? So I did my um, thesis at university was on modular backpacks and how the changes in our lifestyle are kind of restricted by a single use bag and how that bag could actually change with our needs over time. Uh, And that's a very academic focused um, being a thesis. You've got to, you know, 
write all that stuff and it's not really my cup of tea. Um, I more come at it from, like I said before, I love prototyping and making things and solving physical problems. Uh, and a bag in itself is, I just find much more functional and much more interesting than say a table or a, or a chair. Still love designing and working with those things. But when you've got that usability and thinking about how that audience is navigating their day and what they're carrying and how you can actually solve problems for them, that's a little bit more interesting. It's just got another layer, layer to it. So it's almost, I mean, I wouldn't quite say a scientific approach or a fairly cold approach in terms of functionality. I guess the, the tough part of your business or the tough part of navigating that space is finding, I imagine, a mix between that functionality and the actual action of a bag and finding beauty in it and making an attractive product. How did you sort of come across or how did you come up with some of your more uh, more known and more popular designs that are both beautiful and functional? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, the yeah, the aesthetics and the function are, are obviously paramount I'm, I'm a big fan of form follows function so driving it from and that's not just function on how the user is going to interact with it but also function on because we manufacture everything in melbourne there's certain things that you can't do if you're going to manufacture overseas you know the design has to be naturally quite simple because you've got to get that manufacturing time down to keep the price um, competitive so functional from a feasibility side on the business, but also functional for the user at the end. And what we've done is kind of use that modular um, narrative to kind of let the user build out their functionality through a series of simple bags that they can add and clip together and choose their, uh, add their function on themselves. I guess the beauty of working with recycled products is there's quite a lot of, I guess, uniqueness in each bag that you do create. So, I mean, looking at it from an outsider's point of view, you've obviously got your core bag types that you like to make and that you um, have done well through, but each bag does have an air of uniqueness about it. Is that something that's it often uh, you're obviously seeking to do that, I guess, but it kind of happens by the nature of the process of your manufacturing, hey? Yeah, totally. And and it's ironically something that I was very heavily trying to steer away from through the conceptual development of the of the designs because one of the biggest barriers to using upcycled and recycled materials is they don't come off a production line in hundreds of meters exactly the same. So, you know, we're getting things like planter bags from nurseries that have literally got tree roots and spiders out like growing inside them and sticking inside them. So, it's very, very unique in the material that we work with, even when the material itself is the same. So trying to figure out a design and a model that you could actually make repetitively at a, at a, a good enough price and, and obviously really high quality, that was something we focused on a lot at the start. And then only once we started to put it out into the world and interact with people, we started to kind of lean into that uniqueness. And just fortunately the way that we had designed each bag which i'd love to say was intentional but it definitely wasn't um we've got a layer of um 0 0.6 uh thick polypropylene on the inside of every bag and that's 100 percent recycled from a local factory uh and that gives it this really really nice consistency so the structural integrity of each bag is going to be held up by that layer of polypropylene and then we're basically cladding the interior and the exterior with fun kind of unique materials. 
Uh, and that's where you get that variance, but you've still got that consistency in the, in the durability and the quality. Um, and worst case scenario for something like we do uh, carry bags from old Tetra packs like Bon Soy cartons and things like that. Um, and I'm still kicking around with the first one that we made, which is getting pretty thrashed these days. If it gets to that point where it is starting to kind of tear or it's got some um, some wear marks on it, we can actually just replace that outer layer and reuse the rest of the whole bag. So it's designed for ongoing repairs and maintenance and upgrades, um, which is another benefit of manufacturing locally that's really difficult to do if you've made it overseas. So if somebody's purchased something locally in Melbourne, they can simply uh, and over a period of time it's developed a little tear or a little pinch point or, or whatever it might be they can simply bring it into you for for a repair yeah for sure yeah that's that's half the reason why we kind of came up with the idea for this space we're in now is to kind of build that community and have those customer um, conversations with customers and to get them in the door and see the manufacturing process and be extremely transparent about it and kind of invite them into that um so one thing we're setting up in the next month and a half is um, like a complete customization over the materials that you're using on the bag. So we'll have them all pre-cut and hanging up on kind of like a dry cleaner style rack. Uh, and you come in and go, you know, I want this one on the inside, that one on the outside, this kind of strap, that clip. And we can fabricate that in about half an hour while you sit down and have a coffee or depending on what time of day is, maybe a beer. The participatory nature of that is appealing to me on a personal level and I, I definitely think that that'll take off. It's yeah. so funny to me that you're also – you mentioned that you're leaning into uniqueness of bags. Custom items is very much at the other end of, I guess, what you mentioned might have been your initial goal of as much consistency as humanly <laughs> possible. Yeah, yeah, we've really leant into it. Um and yeah, that's it's it's heaps more fun that way. So you'd rather be doing it that way. But I guess, you know, just coming through uni, you're taught to just think in big numbers. And so I just like had to had to kind of ditch that lens and approach it in a different way. Luke, tell me a little bit about into coffee and, and where that idea sprung from. I guess it's part of creating a place where people can come and demystify what it is that an into carry bag re- represents on numerous levels. I definitely like the demystify uh, thought. That's good. We might lean into that as well. You're welcome to use it. <laughs> you know, call me. I'll sign my life away, and yeah. it's your term. No problem. Of some sorts, I'm sure we can sort it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So it just, it just, it's, it's actually been a pretty wild journey. The into coffee. So sitting in our last space, um, you know, spend a fair few hours on the sewing machine, and just kind of came up with the idea of putting a coffee window in the front of the space just as a way to kind of like you said get people in and demystify that definitely not the way i was thinking about it then but it makes makes sense in hindsight and then we sort of started reaching out to um some people in in the industry about whether they thought it was a good idea whether they would tell me that i was an idiot which maybe part of me was probably hoping um but what what happened was every time we would chat to someone about it it just kind of had this energy that sort of 
grew like they were they were really excited about it they would put us in contact with someone else they would give us ideas and it just kind of grew this momentum um and so six months later we moved into a new space and opened up a zero waste coffee shop um which is goal is to demystify the into carry bags but on a larger purpose kind of create a bit of a hub around sustainability and all of the amazing people doing all of this amazing work in melbourne specifically Lots happening around the world, obviously, but I think Melbourne's hitting this really interesting moment where there's a lot of, um, whether they be makers or coming at it from more of a business side, doing all these really innovative projects, maybe due to having the last two years um, indoors, you know, everyone's kind of actioning those those ideas that they have. But yeah, just getting, getting everyone in one space, we're going to host a lot of events, um, we're going to do workshops and just get people excited about sustainability. You know, upcycling and recycling is one way to tackle it, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily a Band-Aid solution, but there's better long-term solutions that are out there and we see this as step one in, in the journey. Uh, and so kind of bringing people together is, is the great way to, to figure out what step two and three and beyond are. And what better way to do that than over a delicious cup of coffee? Exactly, yes. Any hospitality experience or is this just an absolute blast from the blue? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a leap of faith but also have a, a fair bit of hospitality experience. Um, none running a cafe, a uh, little bit of work on the handles as a barista but mostly in the, the bartending side. You're not alone there, Luke. Uh, I reckon if you ever got a little short-staffed on the the barista front, there's a young man by the name of Anthony behind the computer producing this podcast. The man behind our sport also is the man behind a very, very nice (laughs) cup of coffee. I don't know if that's a little secret. He's like, I didn't want to tell Luke. He's going to be tapping me on the shoulder all the time. (laughs) But he does pull a really nice coffee. Cats out the bag. That's good to know. Unfortunately, you're you're literally on top of the coffee shop, so he's filthy with me. <laughs> it's like, man, I just wanted to do soccer designs. Like, I just want to design kits. No, nah, we'll uh, we'll we'll leave that as a last last resort. That's okay. Starting a small business is no mean feat, and it's kind of daunting, I guess, if you're approaching it for the first time. Had you had any business experience before starting up into carry, or is it a kind of a learn as you go situation? Definitely a learn-as-you-go situation. Um, Yeah, good segue on the hospitality front. So I actually left the design world and got a hospitality job so that I could focus on growing some kind of business. I didn't know what the hell it was at that point. Um, But I just found when you're working Monday to Friday in a design gig and then you go home and try and learn about business or do your own design work, you're just mentally fried to that point. So hospitality was such a perfect vehicle to kind of learn and grow because you're mentally fresh and you treat your hospitality job as your kind of social outlet it's it was so much fun um and then still you know you're fresh and you're ready to to go and learn and and push some ideas through and and see what happens and that was probably like a three-year process it's one of those situations where you can kind of leave work at the door and then you're left with you know decent portions of the week i guess to grow and develop your own ideas for what the business you wanted to start might be. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's a good time. We've mentioned learning by doing in a business context. How willing are you to just try new things, you know, in the business context and in terms of releasing a new bag? What's the kind of process behind prototyping and how much of a, how much emphasis is placed on prototyping? Or do you reckon you can just sort of get something out there fairly, fairly rapidly once you have an idea? 
can't remember who I heard say this, but it was a musician and they were saying like sometimes you write an album in a couple of weeks and other times it takes two years. And I think it's the same thing. Like obviously you're trying to not rush things. You never want, you want to be 100% happy with what you're putting out there. Um, but you also want to get out there as quickly as possible, particularly if you've got energy and you're excited about that, that idea or that concept. Um, so we've had some bags that we've we've got one in particular that we haven't released yet that we've been working on for 18 months because we just can't find that right solution um and we know it'll be well we hope it'll be really great um so that's why we're persisting with it but we're not going to put it out there until we're really happy with it and then we've got other bags that we've done maybe three prototypes with and have just gone yep perfect that's it um and you know there's others that we've done 150 prototypes on and they're still not it's not finished so, yeah, I guess you just kind of keep tweaking with it. it. Nothing's ever really finished, you know. We'll always be tweaking things. You never know what's going to happen. So, like, that's the beauty of prototyping. Um, last year, for the majority of the year, we put out a new – we worked with a new material every week with a little weekly drop situation. Um, <clears throat> and that was really, really interesting. We learned a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't think we were going to. Um, that's how the Bonsoi kind of Tetra Pak bags came came out. Sort of came up with it as an idea. Um didn't really think it was going to work and then made it and was like, holy shit, that, that actually kind of <laughs> came together in a really weird way. Yeah. Uh, and that first one that I made and had that holy shit moment that we had with that first Tetra Pak bag that we made that I honestly didn't think was going to work is the one that I still use now that I was chatting about earlier that's that's getting pretty thrashed. But it's still going. Still going now, yeah. Um, Successful then, prototype in my books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I did another one where we... <laughs> Like I thought it would be funny, um, which, you know, I think it is pretty funny to make a goon bag bag. Um, so like making a bag from an old goon bag and that that obviously, you know, it's not that durable. It's it's good for a once off, but like we would never release it. Um, but you still learn stuff through that process. What were some of those other materials that you worked with on that week by week feature material basis? Yeah, so we had uh, old leather couches, um, I walked past a chair on the side of the road that was stuffed um, and it had been there for like a week. So we just took that back and stripped that off. Um, we got the Tetra Packs, the Goon Bag for Grand Final Weekend. Um, we had some offcuts of fake turf in our backyard. Um, and Jasper, um, who you boys know, had an old footy jersey. Um, so lined the inside with a footy jersey and had the fake turf on the outside. Again, you know, it's highly impractical. You could never actually use it as a bag, but, you know, it was good fun to, to prototype. What else did we do? Heaps of furniture offcuts. Um, we've got a bit a nice little partnership with Martel Upholstery in Cremorne. Um, they do all these one-off uh, furniture reupholsteries, and so all their offcuts and stuff, any, any kind of good-looking material they'll put aside for us and we intermittently go and pick it up and, and make bags from it. Um, then we did some pretty wild stuff actually coincidentally with Jasper. Um, so that was more of a collaboration where he does this really cool work with soft plastics, which is like the trash of the trash. Um, it's just a complete pain in the ass. And then he's actually making these really amazing kind of typography focused um, collages, I guess, from literal waste. Uh, and then we sew it up into a bag. Uh, so we've just continued to do those. Um, everyone's one off um we usually sell them down at collingwood yards market uh and chuck them online and stuff i guess that's kind of the beauty of trying new things trying new materials trying new collaborators working with different people is that sometimes something does stick 
Yeah. And, you know, and if something does stick and become part of an ongoing range like your collaboration with, with Jasper, the worst of all time as he's known. Yeah, exactly. Then all the better for it. For sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, worst of, the, worst of all time is probably a good name. Um, most of those things kind of come out of a problem, like a bunch of the furniture offcuts that we get from Martel are kind of really thick and durable, but they're like white or like off-white or a really light beige, which is extremely impractical as a bag. So we gave it to another local maker and she tie-dyes them so makes these really cool patterns and like presses some waste vinyl over the top of them and puts some type on there and stuff and, you know, jazzes them up. So it's kind of turning a problem into a new, a new idea. I'm keen to talk a little bit more about collaborations and collaboration culture, I guess, is becoming very, very sort of apparent in not only in Melbourne but across the world, in, especially in creative industries. How much... Well, how much of a role would you like collaborations to to form within to carry on an ongoing basis? Like, do you see that as a real future prospect? Just meeting and finding new people ongoing. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, yeah, that that's kind of the uh, the incidental part that I was talking about earlier. I, I, yeah, I wish we kind of thought about it in um, as a plan, but it's just kind of naturally happened, and it's been really awesome. Um, on one side, um, for example, like Project Blank. Um, they're a much larger company than us. So the chances of us kind of scoring up a little bit of a partnership with them without that sustainability backbone is next to zero. But what's really cool is we can offer something to those larger businesses by really giving them something to stand behind and kind of put their actions where their mouth is and really show that they're not greenwashing or kind of just like riding the sustainability train. They're actually there and they're innovating and they're, and they're doing it. So we, we kind of lean into that a little bit. Um, there's also, we did a did one last year with Reborn by Homie. Um, they do some really similar stuff to us conceptually, um, but in, to do with fashion. Um, so they get all these uh, waste garments from a bunch of different brands and they cut them up and sew them back together and print over them and make these really awesome garments. Um, so we just started, they would just get their offcuts from their offcuts and sew them into a, a little square and give them to us and then we turn them into to carry bags. So, yeah, just we'll, we'll continue to push that. We've got one coming out probably by the time this episode comes out, it'll be out with a local street artist um, called Chi He He. Uh, he's also known as Dodgy Paper. He makes this 100% recycled paper. Yep, yep. I know Dodgy Paper. It's yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a he's a bit of a legend. Roger's a a great dude. Local icon. Yes, exactly. Yeah, cult hero. Um, so he's got this really awesome style that for with his street art. Um, so he's kind of just painting over that same material that Jasper works with, like that soft plastic garbage bag kind of material. Puts his art on there, so essentially using it as a canvas and then we press that with five layers of plastic and heat weld it together um, so it makes this really durable layer of plastic but still flexible enough to flex like a textile would and yeah sew it up into bags and then what's really exciting about that is a problem we ran into last year with things like that chair we found on the side of the road is once that sells the products sold out you, you can't just get more yes bad chairs Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you can't go and get new chairs because that obviously defeats the, the point. Completely. Um, 
So we're trying this year to really lean into that uniqueness and that really fun and exciting designs, but also having something that we can make more and more of. Because the more bags we can make, the more trash we're diverting and you know, the better the business operates. So with that, each piece is hand-drawn. It's essentially a hand-drawn canvas, but we can make as many of those as we need. So we're not going to run out of soft plastic waste anytime soon. It's so interesting to me that you said the bigger or the more successful that you get as a business, as in to carry, in theory, the greater the impact, the positive impact that you can have on things like sustainability and combating climate change and limiting waste. I never actually thought of it in that way, but it makes so much sense just hearing you say it. That's been a real challenge around pricing. Uh, initially, we wanted to sell a backpack for 80 bucks, and that became pretty apparent that wasn't going to be possible. Um, so it's just slowly crept up over time. Um, but we want to keep it intentionally as low as possible because we want to have it really accessible and we want the, the most people that we possibly can to be using it. We don't want to have it as this kind of exclusive, hard to reach thing. Um, we want to be really approachable as a business and so we're constantly trying to keep that low and keep the more material moving through. I reckon that's actually a massive point of difference because you do see brands and, and businesses that are doing fantastic work and you cannot doubt the positive intention behind it, but they just struggle so much to get it at mm. that price point that does make it accessible. I reckon if you can achieve that, that's that's massive and that'll just go so far. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's talking about reborn before i think they're absolutely nailing that like a shirt that they're selling that's handmade in collingwood is like 80 bucks which is what you pay for a shirt at a shop these days anyway um whereas normally you know there's brands overseas i don't know any off the top of my head but the same thing would be 400 dollars. it's like it's stepping too far into that exclusive fashion area um whereas i think it needs to the pendulum to swing about back the other way I could not agree more. I, I'm speechless because hearing you phrase it in that way and, and shape, I guess, the idea of success in that way is not, I guess, something that I have thought too actively about, but it makes total sense, especially in, in a sustainability-focused enterprise like yours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're kind of not really aligning with your, with your actions if you've got this exclusive, unachievable price point. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask, when you develop relationships with new suppliers or p- potential new sources for um, waste materials that you can use in your bags, was there a period of time or is that time now where you door knock and you just go around and put yourself out there and say, hey, is there a possibility that you guys have some waste you you don't utilize well enough and, and can I have it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I was literally cold calling people for a fair while. Um, because we didn't know what we were going to make the bags from. We were designing it and we were trying to find, again, that like really large consistent supply of waste. Um, and we kind of did. Um, we used bulker bags, which is basically the solution to that, but they only come in white. So, yeah, I would just cold call people, you know, like people that make weird things like inflatable jumping castles and like old tarps and canvas manufacturers and tents and things like that. And more or less, which is actually a really, it was a really good um, roadblock to hit. A lot of them were kind of like that we used to have a shitload of it and we used to throw all this stuff out, but we're actually getting much better and we're kind of repurposing it and keeping it in our um, ecosystem. And so what we actually throw out is just tiny little offcuts, which is really good. 
ultimately that's positive that they're sort of dealing with their waste issues in-house, hey, in a more sustainable way, but <laughs> you, For sure. it doesn't yeah. give you any bag materials. Come yes, on. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess. Okay, that's good. Good on you. You know, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll look somewhere else. Um, but yes, so it's. I guess it's just an awareness thing. But what's what's kind of happened now is because people know what we're doing, and I guess they understand it a little bit better. Uh, a lot of people are kind of donating waste materials because um, they'll have something sitting around, or we've got a good project coming up um, with a friend in a few weeks where he's had this couch that he grew up on. Um, so he's spent you know twenty or thirty years on this couch, and it's just completely shredded that's quality time that's a lot of years it's a lot of years yeah um and he loves it so he doesn't want to get rid of it so he's going to get it reupholstered actually at martel and then we're going to use the leather that they're stripping off to make him his work bag that he'll take to work every day so he's still kind of carrying that couch with him um but he's still being able to sit on it at night every time so that kind of narrative i think is really really important to give people that aha moment about what how upcycling can actually be fun it's not this kind of boring sustainability thing that people think it is see i love that i've got a lot of old work t-shirts and because i work in a in a manufacturing warehouse type context these clothes just get absolutely destroyed (laughs) they are like put it this way they're undonatable but i guess that a similar kind of thing is my mum gets them off me if they have an interesting print not even they don't even have to have an interesting print and she makes them into quilts oh really yeah that's amazing that's cool. Maybe we can do a collab with her. She actually would. She loves intercarry bags. <laughs> she is a very avid follower of you guys on Instagram, and I'm sure she'd actually love it. And might I just say, putting a little bit into bat for mum, she's a talent. <laughs> her designs are awesome, and I'll put you in touch. Yeah, that sounds great. She'd even just love to have a chat. She's a local, and she uh, she really admires what you guys are doing at intercarry, as do I. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's let's get her in for a coffee. Have have a bit of a yarn. I'm interested to talk a little bit about what the future may hold for Intercarry, and if you have any current kind of ideas in the works or things that you're really excited about in the in the next year or so. Uh, we uh, with Intercarry, we're going to keep working on that prototype that that we, I mentioned before. Hopefully, we can get that out this year, uh, and we're going to try and keep things you know exciting and new, but also populate repopulate them on the website like i was chatting about before uh and then we've got uh that retail experience that we want to set up so getting people involved in the manufacturing process um that'll be in the next six weeks and then in on a six month timeline uh a big goal of ours is to actually step into furniture name to be confirmed um placeholder is into furniture but it doesn't really roll off the tongue so we're we're workshopping that onto furniture onto furniture (laughs) actually that might work that's good can we have that as well as well as (laughs) too kind it's all yours thank you you've just got to have a coffee with my mum, and that's the deal (laughs) that's my that's what i'm putting out there as 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 the deal breaker i would love to yeah that's (laughs) that's a deal we'll shake on it later fantastic fantastic onto furniture that's a really big gear shift but i guess in a way it's going back to your roots because you had that original interest in working and making chairs tables couches that kind of stuff yeah for sure uh and you know developing kind of coming up with the the concept and the philosophy and our approach to manufacturing and how the bags are used the whole time you're kind of sitting there being like yes this is really this is really good and it can kind of see that kind of kind of coming together but 
always plugging it into different products, um, you know, like furniture and fashion and homeware and shoes and all of these different ideas. Um, so furniture is the next logical step for us. Um, so yeah, we've got some ideas and stuff that we're playing around with, but we're gonna we're aiming for a, a half year, a mid year launch on that. Definitely don't hold me to it, but that's that's the that's the plan at the moment. So I'm already checking my watch. That sounds amazing, <laughs> and it sounds like something we can all look forward to uh, in terms of sourcing things like uh, timber or recycling timber from from waste sources. Have you started looking into that already? And is it more or less challenging than finding things for your bags? Yeah, good good question. We're just sort of chatting to people at the moment. Um, we'll probably lean into the industrial side because there is that large scale amount of trash that's going to waste um, with, you know, buildings getting demoed and things like that. Um, so we've got a couple of concepts and, and inklings on what that might be. Um, so we're just going to flesh that out and, and see how it goes. As a picture framer and somebody who works with a, a lot of timber and a lot of, I guess, wood products on a daily basis, I can tell you that it could be perfect timing for onto furniture to launch because <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of supply worldwide, coronavirus has had a massive, massive impact on timber industries. You, you see houses going up now with metal foundations instead of the slightly more traditional uh, wooden mm. uh, foundation. All sorts of things are, are changing in terms of you know wait times have blown out for for supply of wood products. It, it, it's almost the perfect time to be getting into or finding a way to reuse wood that we've already got that might otherwise just get chucked out so that that to me is a super exciting thing and i'll, I'll be keeping a really close eye on it personally yeah for sure yeah 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 we're looking forward to it it'll be an exciting project um on the on that train of thought there's a actually just a couple hundred meters away from where we are in collingwood um there's a b corp business called revival um and they work in industry with um, architects from the conceptualization of a new development um, and they'll actually go to site and pick out materials pre-demo uh, and go and store those materials in their Collingwood warehouse and then the architects are going to repurpose those into the new build which kind of just makes sense when you think about it and you say it like that but it's just so far backwards from how the industry just operates at the moment you know you're paying money to get all the material away and then you're paying money to buy new material to bring it back onto site Whereas you can just, you know, think about it from the start and put it into that concept of the actual idea itself. You just close that loop and it actually is more beneficial for everyone involved. It's amazing to think that the building industry hasn't been doing more of that from the start. Like, how have we not been doing this for longer? I think the hurdle has been um, recertifying the materials because once they've been used, yes. they're not structurally um, sound. But uh I might be butchering this, but I believe he's partnered with a, um, a structural engineer of some sorts and so they're certifying them in-house. So that's, that's the barrier that they've, that they've solved. Yeah, that just sounds like they've fixed that problem. So if, if the structural is there and it's ticked off and certified, use away, I reckon. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. No, it, yeah, really cool. That's what I mean. There's so much stuff happening in Melbourne. It's, it's, it's a wild time. Luke Phillips, thanks so much for, for joining me on our conversations. It's been a blast. It's been a really good time and I cannot wait to see what's in store next for Intercarry. Thanks again. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, had a great time. Definitely uh, wake, woke me up after my yoga nap before. I'll send mum a text now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll write that a contract agreement up. Cheers. 
stay up to date with everything our conversations via our social media platforms at rsport double underscore on the gram or via the website www.r-sportswear.com. 